At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming up about 15 minutes from now, we're going to talk football, the draft, obviously, all the quarterback news. Carson Wentz gets traded to the Washington Commanders. So, yes, your first quarterback in Commanders history is Carson Wentz. Uh, And so uh, we will talk all things football with Chris Landry, football scout coach and consultant from LandryFootball.com. Chris was out in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine last week. So we'll get his insights into everything going on there with the NFL and then, of course, with the draft. That's coming up about 15 minutes or so from now. College Hoops front and center this week. Conference tournament action is heating up. We had some exciting finishes here. A buzzer beater on uh, Wednesday as we saw Virginia Tech survive and advance with a buzzer beating three to beat Clemson in overtime 76 to 75. And they're a team that is on the bubble that is trying to play their way in to the NCAA tournament. And that's what it's going to take from a team like Vatek is they already got the hard part on, out of the way, win the first game. Now, can you win again? That is what is the biggest question. Because now it gets much more difficult. Vatek will play against Notre Dame. And I think they can win that game. And if they do win that game, is that good enough to get them in? I don't know. But winning that game will go a long way into getting them in because they will be in now the semifinal of the ACC tournament. And in that semifinal, they will play the winner of Miami and Boston College. No, excuse me. They will play the winner of North Carolina and Virginia. That is going to be a winnable game for Virginia Tech. If they win against Notre Dame and then win again against especially North Carolina, they're in the NCAA tournament. That's it. They're in. If they get to the ACC championship game against Duke, they can lose by 40. Doesn't matter. They're in the NCAA tournament. They're right on the cusp as a bubble team right now. The win against Clemson helps 
but it probably elevates them. Like, if I'm going by ESPN, uh, Joe Lenardi's bracketology, he's got them as the next four out. And there's actually, let me see, there's another bracket that I want to look at. Uh, Shelby Mast does a great job of putting together uh, the bracket as well. And let's see where he has um, them right now. Oh, he just has the bracket. He doesn't have the bubble action going on. But, so, let's see. Virginia Tech, he has them still alive. All right, good. Virginia Tech still alive. I get that. Um, the, he has them. Okay, next four out. So, let's say Virginia Tech wins against Notre Dame. That would elevate them from next four out to first four out especially if a team like Indiana loses to Michigan. Now, how do you go from the first four out to the last four in? Well, Xavier already lost, and they're one of the teams that's in the last four in. If you win that game against North Carolina in the ACC semifinal, that's how you go from the last four, the first four out to the last four in. And I think that that would be a fascinating case for Virginia Tech. And that's why a lot of people think that, you know what? Vatek to win the ACC tournament, not a crazy bet. Right now, they are mm, ACC tournament winner. I don't even see them on here. Probably because there's, a, yeah, not, not listed right now. Duke minus 200, Miami plus 550, North Carolina plus 600, Notre Dame plus 1,000, Syracuse plus 1,200, BC 2,500. So there, that's a great case. It's going to be some exciting games. Duke laying 14 against Syracuse is absolutely wild here on Thursday morning. But I think Duke blows them out. I really do. Syracuse. Good win. Nice to get a win under your belt so you don't feel so bad about uh, how poorly this season has played out. But Buddy Beheim suspended, not playing in this game. Duke's going to roll over them. 14 points is high, but Duke probably covers in that game. Let's talk about uh, what's going to go down in the Big 12. Because one of the teams that I think is very interesting is the Baylor Bears. Baylor, according to you know pretty much every place that you look, is a top team with a very good shot at being a one seed. Like, they're an overwhelming favorite, in fact, to be a one seed. But I think that that's contingent upon their conference tournament play. To win the Big 12, Baylor is plus 200. They're co-favorites with Kansas. I think if Baylor wins the Big 12 conference tournament, they have an argument to be the number one overall seed, not just a one seed. And they would absolutely have more of an argument than Gonzaga who right now is the number one overall seed. Baylor's path to 
the Big 12 title will begin with their quarterfinal matchup here on Thursday against Oklahoma. They're laying eight and a half points. While we have seen some of these Power 5 conference underdogs come through, I am not a big believer in this Oklahoma team. Oklahoma has won three straight games. They're feeling pretty good about themselves coming into this performance. But when they've stepped up in class, it has not gone well for them. In two games against Baylor, they lose by 10 and they lose by 14. In a game against then number one Auburn, they lose by 60, let's see, 15, 16 points or so. Well, no, almost 20. Almost, they lose by 18 points. When they played against uh, Texas Tech, couldn't do anything on the road. At Iowa State, lose by almost 20. And yeah, they've kept it close with Kansas. A couple of times, actually, kept it close with Kansas. But maybe that's just a matchup thing. Arkansas beat this team by 20. I, I think this is Baylor in a route all the way. Give me Baylor by double digits in their first test in the Big 12 tournament. How about the Pac-12? We will see the UCLA's of the world, the Arizona's, the top teams playing in their quarterfinals. Here's the matchups here in Vegas at T-Mobile. Arizona against Stanford. Arizona laying 15. No surprise there. They'll probably win by 30. Uh, Oregon against Colorado. Oregon is a one-point favorite. A lot of people like Colorado in that game. Uh, Washington State against UCLA. And let's see. UCLA is... Got to get a line here. Seven-point favorites over Washington State. I like UCLA. I know it sounds chalky, and I'm going with the favorites here, but this is a UCLA team that I think has a little bit to prove to themselves going into this tournament. The season obviously hasn't gone as great as they hoped it would. They've still had a very nice season. Don't get me wrong. They're still one of the top you know, some you know, top 15 or so teams, whatever they are in the nation. Like, what are they ranked right now? They're ranked, uh, they're ranked 13th. So, yeah, they're, they're right there. But could have done better in a couple of spots this season. But against Washington State, they blew them out by, by 20. Against Washington, other, you know, more big wins. And they finish off the season with a good win against USC. So they come into this tournament feeling pretty good about themselves. They have eyes on the title against Arizona. And I think that they're live against Arizona. But against Washington State, they're only laying seven. This game will not be that close. And I'm going to lay it. I think UCLA wins by double digits against Washington State as they prepare to move on to the semifinals of the Pac-12. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, 
We're going to talk some football with Chris Landry, coach, veteran scout, and consultant from LandryFootball.com. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Join the College Hoops action for free with the March Mania Survivor presented by KFC. Pick winning teams throughout the tournament to outlast the competition and feast on your share of $30,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash KFC March Mania now to play free for your cut of the cash. KFC, it's finger licking good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, joined now by veteran coach, scout, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. Chris, we're going to get into the draft. I know you spent some time at the Combine last week in Indianapolis, but first, we got to talk about all these quarterback news. Let's start with uh, the big one Aaron Rodgers deciding to stay in Green Bay. Was there ever a doubt that he was going to leave? Because if, if you're looking at the landscape of the NFL, his best chance to win is in Green Bay. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I I didn't, no doubt, other than the fact that Aaron is a uh, is, 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 is a bit of a weird dude. And so I think you throw in that factor, you can't eliminate it. But, you know, um, I mean, I do know that the Broncos made a strong play, but I, I agree with you. Look, the, the Packers are contenders, mainly due to Aaron. I think restructuring the deal or in the process of doing it, which, by the way, has a lot of empty years on the back end to create cap room, in order to try to, this is the plan that we're going to do to try to improve the team around you. Because for all of the success, and it's one thing when you have a quarterback, you've got a chance. The Packers have had a chance, and it's got to be frustrating for everybody involved that and, and and let's not dismiss winning a Super Bowl, but you kind of look, at least if you're Aaron Rodgers and people looking at evaluating only one Super Bowl, you'd think there'd be more and, you know, hadn't gotten there yet uh, to do it um, and to, to, to get there again and, and win it. You know, so as good as he's been and even his play in the pivotal moments hasn't been good enough. And so I think trying to, okay, we're going to rally it around for however many more years, what can we do to make the team better around you? But, you know, where could he have gone to where um, a team that was really a contender that maybe fit? Because everybody else that maybe was quarterback needy was either in the same boat as Green Bay or worse. I I think it was inevitable that he was going to end up back there personally. So as a result, uh, just seemed like a little bit later on in the day, the Broncos make the move to acquire Russell Wilson, and the market reacts accordingly, and maybe everyone a little overreacting with the Super Bowl odds and odds to win the division and the and the conference just uh, shooting up. They've now become one of the favorites. But with Russell Wilson, are the Broncos legit contenders now? Well, first of all, um, kind of how this – Certainly the word around the combine, um, 
So the Broncos were definitely interested in seeing if Aaron Rodgers was willing to make the move. And, and since he wasn't, they quickly had the backup plan that Russell Wilson was their go-to guy. Just like the Redskins wanted Russell Wilson, but couldn't get it done. And, and of course, it made the move for Carson Wentz today. Russell Wilson basically had to sign off on the deal because, too, you're not going to trade for a guy that doesn't want to be there or certainly can't structure a contract that's uh, feasible um, in the new landing spot. Denver is a good team. They certainly lose some draft capital and some, some key players, but it's a good team. That's a team that's in a division that they, A, can't match points. I mean, they're, they're going to a gunfight without any gun in the holster because the quarterback who plays just not good enough and, and you can't, you know, win enough on defense to give yourself a true chance to win. At least they've got a guy that can make them a contender to compete. Uh, where does it put them? That's the talk today. Well, how are they? Are they two, are they thirties, the second best, third best. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I still think Justin Herbert, certainly Patrick Mahomes, but Justin Herbert is a little bit more talented, but I still am a little concerned of how they operate things with the chargers. And I think Denver is certainly in a much better position. It gives them a chance. It doesn't guarantee them anything, but a chance they've got a chance now at the quarterback position. And look, no one has tried and failed more frequently, Scott, mm-hmm. at trying to develop quarterbacks and draft quarterbacks in Denver. And they've not had success. It's only, I mean, it's, it's Peyton Manning and, you know, we've got to find, it, it's just, so they're, you know, like we, we can't draft or develop them and we're going to all, you know, die on the vine here. And how many people jobs have it cost? Um, except for John Elway, who's the only guy that doesn't get fired. He gets kicked upstairs for a a better job, less stressful. And and so they go and get a veteran, and it's costly. But be interesting to see what Seattle does with all the picks and what they do at quarterback. But it gives Denver a chance. It it does. I don't know if it makes them the favorite or second. There's there's more, as you know, that needs to play out to determine who the best teams are because it is about the quarterback, no doubt. But you need to have good personnel around the quarterback, good enough to be able to get it done at the highest level. The other story that came out here on Wednesday is Carson Wentz to the commanders. Does he elevate Washington at the quarterback position, Chris? I don't know that he elevated. I think certainly the Colts thought he would elevate him last year at this time and they made the move. It, it hasn't worked out. And another chance for him. Look, they're in a desperate situation in Washington. It gives them a veteran that's at least someone that has had some success in this league, um, but not much lately, and a confidence issue. Um, I don't think they're done. I mean, I think that they're the right guy that they still might draft, but I think this is insurance. Um, look, it's it's kind of where we are. I mean, you know, you, you 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 take Aaron Rodgers off the market, you take Russell Wilson off the market. I mean, uh, then then where do you go? You, you start to get to the Carson Wentz's. You will see some Mitchell Trubisky talk. I mean, no, no, these guys are not answers, Scott. But you know, these are guys that, okay, you know, plug in, help us. Not the answer, but at least gives us a fallback option until we can get something better, and hopefully, getting something better is short-term, long-term. So let's kind of tie in some of these guys to kind of where they've been and who might, you know, be the the guy, you know, hollering for them in the room. Now, last year, 
it was Frank Wright hollering for Carson Wentz, and that didn't work out. So maybe it's a Mitchell Trubisky in New York with the Giants with, with Brian Dayball. I mean, just kind of connect the dots, and it'll be interesting to see how some of this stuff plays out. I'm glad you brought up Trubisky because there's been a lot of talk around him. And, yes, it does center around New York with Brian Dayball possibly bringing him in to compete with Daniel Jones for the starting job. Uh, from everything you've seen and from people that you've talked to, is Trubisky a starting caliber quarterback in this league? Well, he started, he's a lower echelon guy. He's graded some in the purple, but some low grade, some orange. But he's, you know, a lower level starting quarterback at time at the highest level. You know, the one thing about him is can he be a Ryan Fitzpatrick type in this sense? A guy that started to play better as he got older and more experienced. Again, he said, look, he was drafted high, a lot of expectations. He wasn't ready to be what they had thought they, and hoped they would be in Chicago, and, and it hasn't been all that good since. Does it mean the guy can't play? No, I don't think it means that. But what it means is he's had experience. Uh, he's learned. He's had some reps. He's had coaching under a guy that might be in his corner. We'll see with what the Giants do. I, I think in the right situation – Again, not the answer, but certainly somebody you can turn to because what are the alternatives of this alternatives at this point? Not a whole lot. I mean, it's just as I tell folks, and say, "Oh, we got to get a quarterback. We got to do this." And my goodness, and I'm like, you know, okay, um, stop me when you get excited. Uh, Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Andy Dalton. I mean, what, I mean Trubisky, hmm. Jacoby Brissett. I mean, again, stop me when you're excited. Well, you know, you got. Got Drew Locke now in in, uh, in Seattle with with probably better than Geno Smith. It's this is why you see the quarterback position to some degree overvalued in free agency. And what do we always say? Is it's not what the player's worth is. It's what is the worth of the alternative option if you don't have that guy. And I think that is something we look at. Would would somebody I was in Atlanta on a show in Atlanta today and I was asked about, you know, would somebody make a run at Matt Ryan? I mean, I think you have to look at other possibilities that we're not thinking of, but the need for a quarterback through the draft, through free agency is so desperate that again, having a quarterback doesn't guarantee you anything. But not having one guarantees you that you really don't have much of a chance at all at the highest level. That's a tremendous point. Chris, hang with me through the break. I want to get into the combine and preview a little bit of the draft talk coming up next, okay? You bet. He's Chris Landry. You follow him on Twitter at Landry Football. Of course, LandryFootball.com is the website to go to for all your football needs. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We're going to break down the combine and little draft talk coming up next. This is The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Get 
everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. Whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game in every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops-Peterson, Matt Humans, Jonathan Von Tobel, and Tim Murray. They have insights on every key team conference and player to watch, from the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. Sign up today to get the betting guide, plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for only $19 at vsin.com slash madness. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We are rejoined now by Chris Landry, who is a veteran football scout, coach, and consultant. Consults with pretty much every NFL team and most of the major college teams. And uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball, the website, of course, LandryFootball.com. Chris, thanks so much for reading joining us. You were at the NFL Combine uh, last week in Indianapolis, and uh, I know Evan Neal, we didn't see him. We'll see him at his pro day for Alabama, but we did see Ikem Ikwanu, the NC State tackle, and watching this big man last Friday, Chris, he looked real good. Uh, I'm sure he's got a good chance to go number one, right? Yeah, I look I look at the top of this draft. In fact, I was playing with it today, and my grades are not done, but as I put the grades up on Landry, LandryFootball.com, is as, you know, right now, Scott, I, the normal high grades in the sevens and the six nine to six fives, I don't know that I'm going to have a six nine grade. I, I think that basically normally you see the six nine grades, seven oh grades in that one, two, three slot, and then you start to see the six fives around the, anywhere from the fourth to six, I think the best player in this draft is probably going to be a six, five grade. So what it means is there's not an elite player, but there's some really good ones. And Evan is one of them. Um, I think there are three of three tackles that may end up getting six, five grades for me, which is again, you know, high, high to mid first round. Uh, So I look, I think he's really good. I think he's got, Nice feed. I think he's improved in his technique. I think he plays with heavy hands. Uh, good balance. So, yeah, I think he's in the mix. Um, I, I think there's there's a few guys, though, that are in the mix because the fact that there's not that certain guy. I mean, do you like Aiden Hutchinson? Do you love him? Kayvon Thibodeau probably has the greatest ceiling of the bunch, but has been erratic in his play, in his rehab in some of his attitude, still an outstanding player. But if you look at the best of the best, we've talked about him for years, even coming out of high school in the talent level, and he's grown and at times looks like maybe the best player in the draft, but he's certainly not someone that maybe is trustworthy enough to take that high. No quarterback fits that category. I mean, I think you're looking at a situation, some good players, deep, a lot of quality, a lot of big men that can play but not the guy that you would jump and say, I got to get up there at one. I think most people at one would prefer to move down a few spots and get a little bit more draft capital. Now, I don't know there'll be many people moving up. That's kind of how I see it. Which quarterback do you have rated the highest right now? Um, 
All of them, well, I'm not, I'm not done. Um, all of them probably are going to end up with the 6-4 grade. Um, there's, to me, not a clear one. Pickett is the most kind of ready to come in and help. I think Malik is somebody that is worth developing and I think has a chance to be really good, but he's not ready yet. Um, again, I'm, I'm just not crazy about jumping on the table for any of them. But I see some ability in those guys and Sam Howell, a little bit in Matt Corral, uh, Carson Strong. I think at the right spot, I think all those guys intrigue me. And I think, as always, they're going to go higher than, than what we think they probably should in an overall board because of what we talked about, supply and demand. And the demand is greater than a supply at the quarterback position. Well, we all heard the oohs and the ahs from the crowd when Malik Willis threw that gorgeous deep ball. Was was he the one that got the most buzz? Because we didn't see, you know, a Matt Corral go through his drills, and, and mm-hmm. obviously other guys will wait till their pro days. Well, Malik's got a gun for an arm. He's a pretty good athlete, can move around. Um, I think the biggest thing, though, is the work he did at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine on the board. He's a very, very bright guy. Um, I think that's going to help him. He's still raw. And from a technique standpoint, I mean, I, you know, he's a throw him in. It's a little bit of seat of the pants type situation, but I think he has the most upside of any of the guys. And and if I were going to say, Hey, hey, who would you like to have develop? And you think could end up being special down the road. I think it's him. I, I think Kenny Pickett's solid. I think he may be, um, you know, between a Kirk Cousins and a Matt Jones, Mac Jones type of guy. Um, I think Matt Corral has some ability, but I, I think is limited. I think Sam Howell's, you know, limited, built a lot like Baker Mayfield. I think there are limitations in a number of those guys. Carson Strong has some upside, but Malik Willis maybe has a higher ceiling than the rest of it. Maybe a, maybe a lower floor as well, though. Who is your biggest riser from the combine? Well, I, well, I don't know that. I mean, just off the combine, I, it, you know, I really like Tori Anderson on Montana State, the linebacker. I think through the whole process, the combine, not just the combine, I thought he was really good. And um, I think all the Georgias did a really good job. I would say he, um, uh, Louis Sane, uh, may be as good as any safety in this draft that, that and we're talking about some of the elite guys, but I think he's, I think maybe those are two guys that would be strong candidates for guys that impressed me a great deal. I mean, Jordan Davis was great, yeah. but I don't know that it surprised me. All the Georgia guys did really well. I mean, they, they, I call it the 90% rule, Scott, 90% of the time the film matches the workout. It's the 10% of the time, when it doesn't match, that you have some concern. So, like a guy like Isaiah Spiller of Texas A&M is didn't have a good workout. Why? Well, find out had an um, abductor muscle problem issue and probably shouldn't have worked out. Did and you know it explained it because certainly he's a more explosive athlete than than his workout. So, uh, I think you learn a lot, but again, most of the time it just supports what you see on film. Who's your highest graded wide receiver right now? Well, um, I think that, uh, to me, Jamison Williams has the best upside, but he's, you know, coming off the injury, 
I think Chris Olave is probably the most complete guy. And I, when I stack them, it's probably going to be uh, be that way. Traylon Burks worked out today, by the way, at, at Arkansas and didn't run. Um, but he's a big guy, different type of guy. I would say Olave would, would uh, be the guy. And, and he and Wilson are really, really good. Those two, Williams. Um, what about Drake London? That's, Drake London's in that group. Uh, and speaking of just grades, I think all those guys will probably end up at least at this point preliminarily with six, five grades. So it's kind of how I see the top of them. Well, I can't wait till we get closer to the draft, Chris, so we can start uh, when the books open up some of these lines. And, and listen, they hate opening lines on the book because the public does so well. Uh, well, I hope that we can do well once again. Maybe, you know, how many wide receivers are drafted in the first round, over, under on certain players. So uh, we're going to be checking all the info out at LandryFootball.com as we prepare for the draft. Thanks so much for the insight and the information. Hey, thanks a bunch. I really appreciate it, Scott. Have a great one. He's Chris Landry. You follow him on Twitter at LandryFootball. Chris, uh, of course, has the website LandryFootball.com. This guy has worked on staff with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban with the Cleveland Browns, was Worked in the Tennessee Titans front office, was uh, at LSU, won a national championship there with Nick Saban. Um, guy's just as locked in as anybody when it comes to uh, the sport of football. Used to run the NFL scouting combine before it moved to Indy and is the way it is now. So uh, he certainly uh, does a lot of work on these prospects and we'll be leaning on him when it comes to the NFL draft information um, to see who he thinks goes number one. We're going to have... When the books open up the lines, if they have lines, because there might not be a lot of lines on some of these things like uh, player over unders and things like that. We'll see if we'll see what we can take advantage of here with the NFL draft market. Certainly, uh, I like Equality to go number one overall just because you can get a better number at it than Evan Neal right now. But maybe after Evan Neal's pro day at the end of the month, that mentality kind of changes. I'm Scott Satterberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. And I also think it's very interesting that the odds for the commanders pretty much didn't move at all with uh, Carson Wentz. In fact, went down <laughs> to, or went up as more of an underdog at one book, uh, to be exact. This is The Look Ahead. Coming up next, we're going to get into the picks here for Thursday. College basketball, NBA, and NHL. This is The Look Ahead here on VCND. Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Let's take a look at all the action 
we have coming up here on Thursday. And let's start in college hoops bright and early as uh, at 8.30 a.m. Pacific time, 11.30 a.m. Eastern time from Indianapolis. It'll be Indiana against Michigan in the Big Ten second round. Michigan is a three and a half point favorite, and I think Michigan rolls here. Indiana is a desperate team, and I thought about backing Indiana because they really are desperate. And I think that Michigan is in the tournament regardless with a win or a loss. But Michigan's played well over the last couple of weeks here, trying to uh, fight their way into the tournament. They went 3-2 and two down the stretch in the five games without their head coach, uh, Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard is now back, returns to the team, and I do think that he'll motivate his guys to have a little respect for themselves and a little good, uh, a nice showing here in the Big Ten tournament. They played Indiana just one time this year, Blew them out on the road, 80-62. to I just don't see how this performance is going to be any different than that performance. Indiana comes into this game just in bad form. They've lost two straight to Rutgers and Purdue. Before winning against Maryland and Minnesota, they had a five-game losing streak, all against ranked opponents. Like I said, they got blown out by um, Michigan. And I just, this does not look like a tournament team. They're right there on the bubble and they have a chance. The only chance is if they win this game. But I think Michigan's just too strong. I think Michigan gets the job done. I'll back Juwan Howard in his first game back here from that little suspension, and I think Michigan gets the cover. So I'll go Michigan laying the three and a half against Indiana. Duke is laying 14 and a half, and I don't think that's enough. Duke will win by 20 against Syracuse. Maybe I'll play Duke in the first half because they should have a double-digit lead going into the half. But this is a bad Syracuse team that now loses Buddy Beheim, who gets the suspension for uh, uh, the punch against uh, Florida State. He's their leading scorer, 19.3 points per game. The next leading scorer is Cole Swinder, who averages 13 points per game. Without Buddy Beheim, you might as well make this spread 19 or 20. I think Duke, with their first action here in the ACC tournament, it's their first game after losing to North Carolina at the end of the regular season. You think they're going to allow Syracuse to sneak up on them and have the potential to pull an upset? No, 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 no. Coach K probably ran these kids until the gym lost power after that loss to North Carolina. They're going to come out strong, fast, and have a big lead against Syracuse in this one. The only way I can see Syracuse covering is a backdoor cover when Duke pulls their starters and everybody in the end of the second half. Uh, Providence laying 7.5 against Butler. You, you have to like Providence. 
uh, laying, you know, seven and a half. They should win by double digits. Um, Providence wins the Big East regular season title. It's been a great year for them. Last time they played Butler, though, they barely beat them. 71-70. And earlier this season, it was a struggle. 69-62. So they've actually had issues here with uh, this Butler team. And, but I don't think that this is going to be... I, I I think maybe if you can find a dance partner for Providence, like maybe Villanova, go Providence-Villanova, money line parlay, something like that. Because I just can't see Providence losing here to Butler in the quarterfinals of the Big East. I mean, they got they got plans, Providence, after winning the Big East regular season title, despite the fact that they lost both games to Villanova this year. And the only reason they won the Big East regular season title was because of their three canceled games. They're on a mission to prove that this whole luck factor is not a fluke. And Providence uh, should win this game. Should win this game. You know, they are 34th in Ken Palm, and Butler's the 127th team in Ken Palm. So uh, Providence should win this game. And then Villanova, I said maybe do a Providence-Villanova money line parlay. Probably be a decent-sized, uh, you know, a decent reduced payout considering you got one team as a six-point favorite, the other team as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. But let's see exactly what we get here. I don't have a money line out right now. Um, for those games, but I think Villanova wins easily over St. John's. Villanova's going to win this Big East Conference tournament, so I, I'm not worried about them suffering an upset loss to St. John's in the first game. I think Nova, I, I might, it's going to be heavy, and I would never recommend laying this juice, which is why I say find a dance partner. But I just I, I want to hammer Villanova money line. It's like minus three hundred. It's going to be like minus three and change. I just want to hammer it because Villanova's not losing this game. So maybe do Villanova and Providence two team money line parlay. There you go. Big East Conference tournament action. You get your two wins. You move on to the semifinals. Uh, NBA action. I'm going to take the points with the Brooklyn Nets against the 76ers. I think this game means a little bit more to the Nets. They want to prove themselves here. Uh, And with Kyrie and KD on the floor together, these past two games, they've looked good. Scoring 120 against the Celtics, the win against the the Hornets. James Harden might be in his head a little bit in this matchup. Ben Simmons is not going to be there, be on the court, but he might be on the bench watching, which is still a step in the right direction. Uh, I'm going to go with the the Nets taking the points. It's about uh, four and a half is what I'm seeing right now. So Nets plus the four and a half is where I'm going to go here with uh, this game. And then I'm leaning towards taking the points with the other game in the NBA, which is the Nuggets at home against the Warriors. I know Denver's coming off the second of a back-to-back, but Nikola Jokic has been on a tear. Three straight games now with at least 32 points and 12 rebounds. He is the MVP. And both MVP candidates are going to be on display here on Thursday night. You'll have Embiid against the Brooklyn Nets and Jokic against the Warriors. Uh, I think the Nuggets are live at home. I think they can win this game outright. I'll take the points. So I like both dogs here in the NBA, in the Nets and the Nuggets. And on the ice, my first inclination on a pick is to look at the goaltending situation for the New York Rangers. 
If Igor Shesterkin's in net, I take the Rangers as a small underdog in St. Louis, although once it gets announced that Igor's in net, that line probably moves, and you're going to get probably minus 110 both ways on the Rangers or the Blues. Total's at 5.5, which means there's an assumption that it's going to be Igor in net. And with a total that low and an underdog like the Rangers, I would love to take the plus a goal and a half and parlay it with another team because I don't want to lay minus 235. But take a look at the Calgary Flames at home against the Lightning. That game is Tampa minus 120. You could get Calgary plus a goal and a half at minus 220. So you do Calgary minus a goal. I mean, excuse me, Calgary plus a goal and a half. The Rangers plus a goal and a half. Those two together, even money. In fact, you get plus 105. So I kind of like those two. Coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Nigel Seely, soccer handicapper at 745 Eastern Time at 830. Brian Edwards, a professional handicapper, will join the program. That's coming up this morning on Follow the Money. You can always follow me on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. So on the ice, we got Flames plus a goal and a half, Rangers plus a goal and a half parlay, Villanova, Providence, Moneyline parlay, college basketball, maybe even throw Michigan in there as well. A little three-team Moneyline action here for your college basketball conference tournament action. I'm going both dogs in the NBA with the Brooklyn Nets and the Denver Nuggets. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on v the sports betting network.